Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveler podcast, part of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. It's a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. On this week's podcast, in about 10 minutes, we're going to talk with travel writer Deborah Smith and get some insight on a couple of hotels in New York City from the Library Collection brand of hotels. Namely, the Hotel Giraffe and the Hotel Elysee, both conveniently located in midtown Manhattan. And have you ever wanted to know what it's like to go skydiving without having to actually go up in an airplane? Well, now you can with a company called iFly. They're located all over the world, including one in Calgary. So we'll chat with the general manager of the Calgary location a little later in the podcast. But first, let's check in with travel expert Onanta Forbes, who joins us each week to review some of the travel news headlines and get her travel tip of the week. Well, last week, if you recall, we chatted with Onanta when she was in Croatia. But she's back home, and she joins us now to share her last few days in Croatia and to tell us how the journey was coming home. You can follow her on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Onanta Forbes. Onantaforbes.com is her website. Hi, Onanta. Hi, Randy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Are you glad to be back from your adventures in Croatia? It was an amazing adventure, and I loved every minute of it. I have to say, though, it's always nice to come home and sleep in your own bed. That's what everybody says. If you can just take yeah. your bed with you, and then... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, last week we chatted, you were actually in Croatia, and there was a couple days left on your tour. So let's pick up where you uh, left off and, and, and finish up your last few days uh, of your uh, adventures in Croatia. So we stayed um, in Zagreb for our last two nights. It's the capital of Croatia. It's quite breathtaking with its like 18th and 19th century architecture. And the city is just made for strolling around. It has a huge, well, Croatia in general has a huge coffee culture. So there's lots of coffee bars and museums and galleries. Very, um, uh, like, cultural and stuff. It has theaters and concerts and cinema. And summer is the time when the residents of the city leave the grad. So we didn't have to contend much with crowds, and it was almost empty. Um, one of the sites um, that you must see, and we went to see is the Church of St. Mark. It's 13th century, and it's got these great, colorful tiles on their roof, and they have the coat of arms of Croatia, Dalmatia, and Slavonia. It's, um, as I said, the city is known for its museum, and it's a perfect place to soak up the... Croatian culture. We actually stayed at the Esplanade in Zagreb, which is um, one of the most famous buildings in Zagreb. It was built um, in 1925 to accommodate the passengers of the Orient Express train on their route um, from Venice to Istanbul. The train station is still right behind the hotel. And from there, we were able to walk to key key attractions. Um, the city is really lovely as far as it's laid out with parks and woodland. And the main areas of interest are Upper Town, where you're going to find the art galleries, Parliament Building, and Cathedral. And in Lower Town, you'll find um, the museums, open-air markets, um, the Croatian National Theater, and lots of uh, trendy boutiques if you're a shopper like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the art excursions was outside the city in the Croatian Highland regions. Uh, we went to a 13th century castle. It was like a fairy tale castle. It was it was about like an hour from uh, Zagreb. But what st- 
struck me was nobody was there. It was almost like nobody knew about it. And this castle is so well maintained. It has the original like furniture from throughout the time that the, the, this noble family stayed there. So it's always good to kind of go outside the the like the path of everybody else is going, and you can you can really. Um, find treasures such as this. Mm-hmm. Is it easy to get around Zagreb? Um, you mentioned, like, is it a big city? Uh, but if, depending on where you're staying, um, I guess you can probably walk to a lot of the, the sites and museums and things you want to see? Yeah, you bet you can. It's the biggest city in um, Croatia, and they are the only city in Croatia that has trams that take you uh, throughout downtown and, and, and w- within the city. So you can definitely hop on a tram or get a taxi. Um, we walk, though. We like to walk, mm-hmm. and it was easy to walk. Nice. Yeah, uh, really easy. Now, uh, w- would that be a, a good starting point uh, or even a, a base if you wanted to uh, tour around the rest of Croatia, like kind of what you did, spend a couple days here, a couple days there? Uh, what are some of the things that you would suggest people uh, to do or know if they're planning a, a trip to Croatia? Well, first of all, um, you can either start or end in Croatia. Uh, pardon me, in Zagreb, within the country. Uh, it's very interesting to start in the city and then head to the coast or vice versa. I would, I would suggest that you kind of make it different cities and places to stay, couple to three nights at a time. You don't want to backtrack. It is a small country, but they, uh, it still takes a while to get from place to place by driving because um, they have windy roads. And actually, just a fun fact, when we were there, they opened up this bridge that actually allowed uh, travelers not to have to go through uh, Bosnia, Herzegovina, mm-hmm. um, which would add on 20 minutes to your trip. Plus, you have to show your passports and queue up for, um, to go through tolls as well as through the border crossing. So that will definitely like, um, help passengers or clients travel from north to south with little less time. It's fun to go to the islands. But you don't want to backtrack back and forth. And mm-hmm. I think it's nice to either end up in Dubrovnik or, or Zagreb, like I said. And Dubrovnik is such a beautiful city. And most of your tours, they were escorted tours, which uh, I think if you've never been to a, a country like Croatia, it's probably a, a good way to go, right? Oh, yeah. I really like hearing the history and the background of the country and kind of having getting a feel of the country because definitely you can... You know, take a guidebook. But when somebody lives there, they know, um, they kind of gauge what your interests are and they'll cater to it and as far as your preferences and such. Um, so I would recommend uh, to, you know, work with your travel professional because they are in contact with people that are right at the destination mm-hmm. and can give really good advice and informed ideas of what to do. And now getting home, uh, you flew from Zagreb uh, to Frankfurt, I believe. Is that how you got home? And then from Frankfurt back to Canada? Right. So we did exactly that. So we flew with Croatian Airlines from Zagreb to Frankfurt. Um, Pretty seamless. They check your ArriveCan to make sure that you filled it out before we left ArriveCan. 
And then we got into Frankfurt. We had ample connection time. So we had up to three hours before we caught our flight to Frankfurt and or from Frankfurt to Calgary. And then our uh, no problems with um, getting from one gate to another. Um, and also, very good news, our luggage came with back with us. <laughs> well, that's good news, too. There's been lots of stories about the Arrive Can app. You, you mentioned that. Uh, any issues or uh, anything like that with uh, Canada Border Services or anything like that? No, it was pretty straightforward. Uh, you can complete your Arrive Can within 72 hours of uh, departure from your destination. We found it a really straightforward uh, process. If you're fully vaccinated, you don't need to uh, upload your proof of uh, COVID booster vaccine. And then they'll ask you to enter like a a document, an official travel document for ID, like your passport, Mm -hmm. birth certificate or Nexus card. And then when you successfully complete your life cancel mission, you're going to get a receipt with a six character character receipt code. And that's proof that you've successfully completed your submission. Mm -hmm. And, uh, keep in mind um, that you could be randomly selected on the border testing surveillance program on arrival in Canada. So this is my tip for uh, uh, for this week is have your phone on because within 15 minutes of completing customs declaration, those who are chosen for the random testing will receive an email notification. And that email will contain in- information to help arrange for your COVID test with the testing provider in our region. And then also um, that happened to my partner, but he didn't have his phone on. (laughs) So he got home and he realized he had to go get the test. And it was set up through Switch Health. So he had to call Switch Health. The Switch Health person said, you can either go back to the airport or you can um, do it with a pharmacy, but you have to have access to a camera. Uh So that. You can, they can see how you're uh, doing the um, or conducting the test. And then they give you um, the test and they package it up in a Purinator envelope and we have to drop it off at Purinator. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and All so that. my other tip is keep your phone um, open too when you're traveling because airlines are now telling you when there's gate changes, when there's delays. Um, via text or via email. You do have to be very aware, especially in today's environment, that changes could occur. Mm-hmm. For sure. Did you have to wear a mask, by the way, on the uh, plane, on the flight for, in Europe? Yes, we did. We had to definitely wear it from Calgary to Frankfurt and back again. In Frankfurt, um, you didn't have to wear it as you were transiting the airport. You could if you wanted to, but it wasn't mandatory. And you did have to wear masks on the um, flights between Germany and Croatia and vice versa. Um, Again, in Croatia, it was mandatory to wear your mask at the airport. Got it. Well, it sounds like a fabulous trip. I want to go to Croatia now. You can follow all the photos and stories uh, with Onanda Forbes on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or you can check out our website, onandaforbes.com. Welcome home, Onanda. We'll chat with you next week. Take care.
Well, New York City has a lot of choices when it comes to hotel options, but there are two in particular that we are going to talk about. Both are conveniently located in Midtown Manhattan, the Hotel Elysee and the Giraffe Hotel. So joining us now to tell us more about them is a travel writer and luxury hotel reviewer, Deborah Smith. Her website is wheretolady.com. Hi, Deborah. Hi, Randy. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I love New York City and the area that we're going to talk about where these two hotels are located. They're actually part of the library collection brand of hotels. Uh, They're not that far from each other. The Hotel Elysee and the Hotel Giraffe. Uh, They're not that far in in New York terms, right? Um, Yes, exactly. They're about a half an hour walk between the two of them. But, um, you know, New York is so packed with things to do and things to see that a half an hour walk can almost seem like a different world, I find. And um, I just love New York. I I love that about it, that there's so many different things to see and do right around these two hotels. Yeah, well, let's talk about them. Let's talk about the Hotel Giraffe first. Uh, interesting name. It doesn't look like a giraffe, or really isn't. Is it connected to the animal at all? <laughs> well, it's connected to the animal only insofar as uh, the owner um, uh, actually is fond of giraffes. And all through the hotel, as you uh, walk around, and even in your room, you'll find giraffe images, you'll find giraffe bookends. Um, uh, on Outside on the terrace, they've got about a... Gee whiz, I think it must be almost a life-size giraffe sculpture up there in bronze, which is beautiful. And so there's there's that. that that's really where that came from. And and also the building itself is, uh, you know, sort of tall and lean. It's uh, 12 stories, but only 73 rooms. So, um, yeah, a bit of a giraffe shape there, too. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a big hotel. That's what makes it kind of nice uh, by New York standards, right? Yes, it's very much a boutique hotel, um, and it's it's very cozy. The thing I really like about the Hotel Giraffe is that it's actually one of the few hotels that has balconies in New York. And for me, that's really the New York experience. You know, if you can just walk out on a little patio and open the windows and just listen to the street noise and people walking by. And, you know, not not to say that the hotel is noisy. It is not at all. It's super quiet. You close those windows and it's serenity uh, in the extreme. But it's lovely to be able to let that street life come to you. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things they offer there? I, I, again, it's not a huge hotel, so I can imagine the, uh, the amenities are, are limited as well. Um, well, I wouldn't say that they're, uh, well, let's put it this way. Um, they don't have an in-house restaurant, but there's one right next door mm-hmm. um, that provides uh, room service to them. And of course, you're in New York, so you just walk out the door and there's a million restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just talking about the things that they do have, which I really like, is they have a lovely lobby. It's uh, quite high, uh, suitable for giraffes. <laughs> spacious. And uh, they have um, a piano bar in there. And so every evening they have, um, you know, a, a wine and cheese sort of, you know, you can come and drop in and listen to the piano player. It's really nice. Um, and then they have every morning they've got um, a little breakfast is included, um, you can get uh, passes to the New York Sports Club from them. So even though there's not a fitness facility right in the hotel, it's easy to access that. Um, you know, the usual things you'd expect, like uh, free Wi-Fi and turn-down service. But, um, you know, I mean, the rooms themselves are just gorgeous. They're done in, how can I explain that? They're sort of done in a... Uh, earth tone colors mm-hmm. with accents of red. Everything's very plush. 
and um, yeah, it's uh, it's beautiful. Uh, is it true they have a uh, wine and cheese reception? Yes, they do every evening. You just uh, you just come in and there's a you have a complimentary glass of wine and uh, some little nibbles and as I say, listen to the piano player. So it's it's lovely. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, not far, as we said, about a thirty minute walk uh, from the Hotel Giraffe is the Hotel Elysee. What's uh, is there similarities between the two? Actually, they're both very different, and this is one of the things that I love about it. The Hotel Elysee is a very, very classic New York hotel. It was built in 1927, and it's not far from the theater district, uh, definitely walking distance, and because of that, it's many, many people from the theater world have stayed there. Um, Marlon Brando stayed there for, for quite a while when he was uh, performing on stage. Um, the Barrymores, uh, Sidney Poitier, um, so there's a whole artistic ambiance there. Actually, Tennessee Williams actually lived there for 15 years um, when he became famous for a glass menagerie. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's got a really, really interesting past. And they've managed to retain that past. Like, that's the thing that I love about it. It says Hotel Elysee, and of course, you're going to think immediately of Paris, and that's really what you feel like when you walk in there. It, there's only 100 rooms, but they all have this uh, wonderful old-world feel. So very different from the Hotel Giraffe in that regard. Um, We're looking at damask wallpapers, um, velvets, um, things of that nature. It's very plush and, uh, again, a Parisian feel. Lots of books, uh, super comfortable lounge, great uh, continental breakfast in the morning. You can just sit there and just linger and read your digital New York Times and just really enjoy Hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about the location again. Now, between them is about a half-hour walk. You mentioned this is kind of uh, Midtown Manhattan it is. Uh, area. So, what are like? I imagine you really only have to walk out the the front lobby, and there's all kinds of things going on, and lot, lots is, of things yeah. to see and do. I mean, it's New York, right? Yep. Yep. One of the things I love about it is the location for this hotel and the giraffe as well. But for this particular hotel. You're very close to Times Square. It's easily walkable. So if you want to get into the theater district and go and see a play, this is a perfect place. Central Park, again, walking distance, just a couple of blocks away. Um, great if you have kids with you. And, by the way, kids would love this hotel. Um, there are a couple of reasons I can get into later. And um, just across the street is the Museum of Modern Art, so perfect for art lovers. Yeah. Great location. Yeah. Well, I always found in New York too. Uh, even if you're, there's some thing you want to see that's uh, at a distance, the the subway is not that far usually from anywhere, really. Oh yeah, and uh, the Elysee is is close to like two. I think there's two subway stops just within like just a couple of feet, <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> so now you mentioned it's good for children. Why is that? Well, one of the things that they've retained there as part of the 1927 and onwards is they've got these beautiful murals and they're kind of a Beatrix Potter sort of a look. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's charming little animals and things like that and and gardens all all painted. And and that's when you're uh, walking up the staircase, you kind of come upon it and go, wow, this is a beautiful, magical place. And they're very child-friendly there as well. Um, Children under 12 stay free if they're there with an adult and they can supply... uh, cribs and cots for the younger ones and um, they also have babysitting services from the Babysitters Guild of New York which they also use at the Hotel Giraffe too. Do you have a preference over either hotel? Um, 
Bhakti Wiz. They're both great for different reasons. Um, as I say, as I mentioned before, I think I like the giraffe for the balconies. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I think for that real New York feel and a real uh, great getaway, and if you especially haven't been there before, just to soak in that atmosphere, I, I would maybe have to just Well, there's a couple of hotel ideas if you're heading to New York. Hotel Elise and Hotel Giraffe. Uh, The websites are elisehotel.com and hoteljiraffe.com. And Deborah Smith is a travel writer and luxury hotel reviewer. Uh, Her website, wheretolady.com. Thanks, Deborah. I love it. Okay, thanks. Well, have you ever wanted to know what it's like to go skydiving without having to actually go up in an airplane? Well, now you can with a company called iFly. They're located all over the world, including a location in Calgary. So joining us now to tell us what the experience is like is the general manager of iFly Calgary, Chris Quick. The website is iFlyWorld.ca. Hi, Chris. Hey, Randy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm excited to learn about this. I've always wanted to go skydiving, but uh, as I get older, I really don't want to get on a, in, a, in a plane and <laughs> look down on the ground and go, hmm, do I really want to do this? So so this ans- this takes care of all of uh, all of the fun, but I don't have to get up on an airplane, right? That is correct. Yeah, we, we've basically taken... Um, the, the free fall experience that is, is really the adrenaline rush and the fun side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've removed the plane, the parachute, the, the kind of the ground rushing up at you, any kind of risk of that landing, um, and, and put it inside in a super, super safe environment. Um, so we, we fly people one-on-one with the instructor. We have an airflow court controller who is controlling the wind speed based on really everybody flies differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody flies one-on-one with their instructor. So in terms of safety and control, we've got that covered. Um, but in terms of fun, we, we've got that covered too. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. And this is located, like iFly is located all over the world. There's uh, your location in Calgary. There's a few others in Canada, right? There sure is. Um, so we recently uh, had... I fly Whitby, I fly Oakville, and I fly Montreal. Um, join the I fly Canada family. Um, we Calgary still is the only indoor skydiving facility in Western Canada, um, so we're we're pretty proud of that, and, and we have a, a really good, uh, really good kind of traveling in bunch of people that, that will come to Calgary to do this because it is a really really amazing experience but it's a bucket list item for a lot of people mm-hmm. well like i said you take the whole of having to get up in an airplane but you get the experience uh, in it and you get a really good visual on your website iflyworld.ca from the videos and from the images on there so people people can kind of get an idea of what it's like but uh, walk me through the process now for, uh, from the booking process to the point where i'm flying <laughs> in, in the wind tunnel Absolutely. So, I mean, people can book directly online at iflyworld.ca. Um, we have a selection of different experiences there, based from anything from um, two flights as a starter pack, kind of just dipping your toe in, um, to all the way up to something like our ultimate experience, which is um, three regular flights. It's then a flight with the high flight included, which is an extraordinary experience. 
Um, and then we've just added VR to our, uh, to our, our options as well. Um, so the, the prices range dependent on day of the week, time of day that you're booking. Um, but when you compare it to what you can do in the sky, it's still super, super affordable. So once the booking is made, um, obviously a confirmation email will go out. Mm-hmm. Customers will fill out the declaration of risk um, prior to arriving. And then the time they book for will be the time that they're going to fly. So we ask everyone to be here 45 minutes prior to that to get checked in. Then they'll meet with their instructor. They'll go through a refresh of the safety video and the flight position. They'll get geared up. We supply all of their flight suit, helmet, goggles, and earplugs. So they are set and ready to go. Um, And then at that flight time, we get everyone into the antechamber. And then we fly everyone one at a time, one-on-one with the instructor. Um, Typically, um, each of those flights is going to be about a minute in duration, um, which is actually about one and a half times the free fall experience you'd have skydiving from 12,000 feet. Um, it's an interesting comparison that the, the free fall experience from 12,000 feet of skydiving is probably only going to last about 40 seconds before you have to pull your parachute. Beauty of what we do is people will be able to get, they'll be assisted into the tunnel, going into that flight position um, to then be able to fly their first flight for that bit longer. Um, and then they come out, they go to the back of the line in the, uh, in the antechamber and take a seat. That break between the two flights just really gives their brain a chance to kind of get over the, um, you know, that that sensory overload of Mm. going into a wind tunnel. Um, And and what we always see is that second flight is much, much more stable, much, much bigger smiles because they've got a better idea of what's happening. um, And they're really, really getting into that, that free fall experience. Well, yeah, it sounds amazing. Um, so what are some of the strict restrictions or, or are there? Like, are there any age restrictions, any physical restrictions, anything like that? So age-wise, we have a pretty big window. We can fly anybody from the age of 3 to 103. Um, and we we often do that range on a, on a regular basis. Um, physically, um, there is a weight restriction. Anybody uh, over 300 pounds is not able to fly. And that's really a safety aspect because the higher the wind speed at that, if, you, if there's a sudden body movement, mm-hmm. it will change the flyer's direction. Um, and we want to keep them safe as well as our instructors safe. Um, those are, are pretty much other than anyone with, with heart conditions, anyone who's pregnant, we recommend they don't fly. There is some adrenaline involved here, and we don't want anybody to ever leave in worse condition than they came in. Um, and then really, shoulder, neck, or back um, injuries. Um, if anyone's dislocated their shoulder before, we definitely recommend they don't fly. Um, again, because of that flight position where you are flying in, in a, in, on your belly, very mm-hmm. much similar to a front float in a swimming pool, mm-hmm. because of where the arms are, and obviously the wind is going to be pushing back, it is going to put a bit of pressure on the shoulders. If that's already weak, we don't want that to, to kind of pop out again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's really, everything we do is about safety first um, and, uh, and, and fun included. Um, so yeah, those are, those are pretty much the, the restrictions we have. Our, our dream is to deliver the dream of flight to everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, then I, I would think over time, if the more you did this, uh, if you're a more experienced uh, person, even if you did skydiving, 
you could do uh, all kinds of tricks or that kind of thing. Do you get people that do that want to do that too? That's correct, Randy. Yeah, we have quite a good. We have quite a large community um, of the, from skydiving um, who come in primarily through the winter months to work on their flight position and their skills. Um, body flight itself as a sport is governed by the International Body Flight Association. So that's who all of our the, the standards that we follow to train all of our instructors with. But it's also for our customers. They can sign up for an account on the IBA, and we can then sign off their flight skills to get them to being a, a level one flyer and then progressing further on. What that actually means is once they're a level one flyer, they can be in the tunnel flying the skills that are signed off for without the instructor there to hold them. So they can really work on smoothing that out. Um, and that gives them a chance to kind of practice and improve their tunnel flight skills, where um, just last May, we hosted our first uh, Western Canadian Indoor Skydiving Championship. So we ran a tunnel flight competition one day. Um, we had a phenomenal turnout, and, and really the standard of flying was just amazing. <laughs> That'd be uh, quite a thing to see. Uh, tell me more about the VR experience. Uh, that sounds pretty cool. Absolutely. It is just unreal. Um, the updates and technology have really helped. So we use the Oculus, uh, Oculus face um, mask, mm-hmm. um, and we have that program. So we've had some of the world's best skydivers um, creating and recording um, primarily wingsuit experiences. So our most popular um, VR experience right now is um, basically we, we connect to the, the video that'll fly that'll show in the headset mm-hmm. um, and it gives the flyer the idea that they are flying a wingsuit through a jagged mountain crag um, the proximity of that flight for how they're flying in the wind tunnel is just unreal um, <laughs> so that that flight will last for the the duration of that video so again still about a minute or so um, what we've seen with that we we launched that in July um, and, and what we've seen is everybody's reaction when they, we take the, the Oculus headset off at the end, their eyes are wide, so <laughs> pumped. Um, one of the biggest things is we, we hear that was absolutely awesome. Um, and the other comment is everyone's, uh, everyone turns around and they're like, I did not expect that tree to be so close. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, taking, it's taking the skydiving and, and the flight experience to really an, another level. Just because of the way it's filmed and the proximity, it feels so, so real. Um, but we're able to do it in the tunnel in that controlled environment and it's uh everybody everybody that's done it has been absolutely raving about it afterwards well it does sound like a lot of fun you can find out more information uh, on the iFly uh, website iflyworld.ca and chris quick is the general manager of iFly calgary uh, it sounds like fun chris thanks for uh, your insight my absolute pleasure andy you know, if you haven't done it before, it's, it's always worth trying. Um, it's super safe, super fun, and, you know, it's something for everyone. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. Remember, this is the podcast version of the Informed Traveler radio show, which is heard each week on Chorus Radio. You can find more information on the show at our website, theinformedtraveler.org. So thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, let us know, leave a review. 
tell a friend, or you can drop me a line. My email is randy at theinformedtraveler.org. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, or follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.org.